So I walked in, I was like, give me the sexiest haircut you guys have. So $300 later, I mean, wow. this is worth it, huh? $200 is $200. <laughs> you picked the wrong number. I could have seem, seamlessly oh, went crap. into that. We'll just edit it. Yeah. $200 later. $200 is $200. Seamless. <laughs> this segment of DOD TV is brought to you by Leopold, American to the core. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast, episode number 212. Thank you, live studio audience. You're Matt Drury. You're Tim Cheswick. And together we make 100%. Or a horrible duo, one of the two. Both. <laughs> Let's go with both. All right. Um, so we've got the standard shout outs. We've got question of the day. We got the wildlife word. Uh, we should mention that... If you want to be on the show, you could leave us a voicemail and we will put you on the show. Mm, you could wear a DeerCast hat and give us your social security number. I got some cool DeerCast hats out. Yeah, the, the Bottomland one. Oh, yeah. I'm working on another cool one right now. Actually, offset. I'm working on several right now. Offset, offset, offset. It's Yeah, that one will be offset, yes. But I got more in the, I got more in the pipeline. You sound like it was... Uh, like some kind of a yes, get, Tim? given up on that. Like yeah, fine. Well, I like concession, but I, I got outvoted on the interwebs. Yeah. On the Instagram. You always do what the Instagram tells you to do. Yes. Anything. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Hit me in my DMs. <laughs> Matt Drew 81. <laughs> Speaking of DMs, our friends hit us up with some feedback. Yeah, they're and, called shout outs, Tim. <laughs> sorry. We need to get a sponsor for this part of the show. Uh, and we'll just trademark shout outs. Yeah. All right. So the first one is from Cameron Dowd over on DeerCast. He's talking about the Bobby Cole show, which was the last episode. He says, love the info, guys. Never stop learning. He used four exclamation points. I feel like that's a little excessive. And maybe he was yelling at me. You have to I scream know. it. <laughs> Never <laughs> stop learning. <laughs> Ever. Food plots really fascinate me. I don't do a lot of acreage, but I have a smaller, few smaller plots that I really enjoy working. I'm in the same boat that he is. Not many food plots or not big food food plots, but we got some killing food plots. It's not the size that matters, right? <laughs> right? That's what right. she said. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> um, you know, before I go on to our buddy Steve, who left us a comment on YouTube, I should mention to our iOS listeners, so people that are listening on their Apple device, if you notice the show is a little bigger in terms of file size here recently. We're fancy now. We are fancy. You can watch us on your Apple media player. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, I was doing some walking, some cardio the other day and I was on Spotify. Did you get your hips going. Oh, yeah. to, okay. I swing them. Power walking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, so I was listening to Joe Rogan's podcast and Never he, he had, uh, you know, there was video on the Spotify version. I was like, hey, we've. We have video. We're a video production company. You're a brilliant like, man, man. Can we, we do these things? Video. Turns out we screwed up the podcast trying though. <laughs> like it did not work at first. For a couple of weeks. Yeah. It was yeah. it was weird. Um, and I talked to the folks at Spotify and they said Like the guys? Unless you're Joe well, whoever like the CTO. Is the, well, probably not <laughs> that level. Manuel or something at, at Spotify. He said, unless you're Joe Rogan, you can't have video with your show. So kind of BS. <laughs> we're not, I mean, 
Give us a few weeks. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we can embed video in our uh, in the iOS version of the show. So if you're listening on your iPhone or iPad, you can watch the show. There you have it. We'd prefer you watching DeerCast. Yeah, we're there's promoting. All kinds of great, I mean, the show is powered by DeerCast. That's right. If you're not watching in DeerCast, you're stealing. Mm. Never thought about it that way. You're all me. thieves if you're listening on <laughs> some other platform. I, I actually, I'm not going to call you thieves because I just want you to listen. And if you'd like to watch, go ahead and do that too. You're not willing to go as far as to call our entire audience thieves? No. Hmm. Not okay. until we get a bigger audience. Okay. <laughs> then, I'll, then I'll name call them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, Steve Porter on YouTube, also talking about the Bobby Cole show, said, could you guys do a show just on smaller kill plots? That's what I think most average hunters are actually doing. Do that in more detail. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. I mean, that's, I think, I I follow this, uh, it's a group in Facebook called, I think it's just called Food Plots and or just food plots, something like that. And uh, it's pretty- there's a lot of women in that. Yeah. It's pretty interesting though, just kind of following along with, you know, your, your everyday hunter and what kind of food they're putting in, what part of the country they're in and what the equipment they're using. There's some real ingenuity out there on planting food plots. Well, last year when we had that drought in like late, you know, the annual drought that we get every August, pretty much right after I planted. (laughs) Yeah. And it was right around the same time I planted. I had a, a big blue 55 gallon drum and I'd been waiting to do something with it. And I figured, well, heck I'll, buy a spigot attachment, put Mm -hmm. it in the, cut a hole in the bottom, put it in there, put it in the back of my truck and go out and emergency water, like gravity feed my, uh, my food, the, the, the few small food plots that I had. So work, did it work? It it was a ton of work, Uh, (laughs) but, but I learned a few things. All right. The name of it was food plots and equipment. It's a Facebook group that you can join. It's descriptive. It's pretty, it's honestly, it's really interesting. I highly recommend it. Yeah. So <laughs> I tell no lies. Hey, this podcast is supposed to be about helping people. This is oh, crap. Since you and I can't, do I need it. to excuse myself. That <laughs> I got nothing to offer. Right. Let's <laughs> shut her down. <laughs> one of, uh, uh, one of our dear casters, uh, mentioned, he, he saw my video post about the Turkey behind us. Uh, I did my first Euro skull mount of the gobbler. I killed back in turkey yeah. season. And he's like, how'd you do that? And I didn't answer him yet. Well, there's a video for it. You made a video. Yeah. It's kind of the finished product. I took pictures along the way because I, I think I would like to write write something up about it. It took a long time. I'm out. Turkey. <laughs> a long time. There were small parts involved. There was fire. Is that the same turkey, the spur on the left and the spur on the right? Yeah. So when I was... It looks like you got two different birds, one skull, one fan, two birds, you know, two different birds and two beards. You're asking too many questions. <laughs> you didn't kill this, did you? <laughs> you found this. You found different different birds dead on the side of the road and cobbled them together to make one trophy. <laughs> I'm just saying. When uh, when I was shearing off the the legs for the spur mounts, the outer sheath kind of twisted and peeled away from the inner layer of skin. And so that's why you got that like nasty looking. Looks like the skin. one on the left has cancer. Maybe. <laughs> maybe that's why he just walked in circles around my decoys. But, uh, but yeah, so the first part of the process was because it was an archery kill, the skull was intact. So I'm good there. The day I got it, I fleshed out the skull, took the skin off and then took as much meat How off of it as I could. How long did that take? 
taking the skin off wasn't a big deal, but actually going through with an X-Acto knife and cutting away as much meat as I could took, I don't know, maybe an hour just for that part. The eyes, I didn't realize how big a turkey's eyes really are. The socket looks pretty big. Yeah. And, and, and you get a better understanding of just how well they can see when you, when you finally see, because what you see exposed of the eye is maybe half of it. It's like a solid two times bigger than what you see. <laughs> Uh, so took, you know, take the eyes out, uh, take as much of the flesh around the throat and stuff. And then I let it sit out, let to let the bugs get to it. That made me impatient. And so I figured I would try to put it in borax and maybe get the, the flesh to like the remaining muscle tissue to peel away. That didn't work so good. And it made the meat un, uh, undigestible for bugs. So they wouldn't touch it. So then I had to like, Will Rollins taught me this. He's, uh, he runs Skulls Millworks. He did yeah. your, your buck. And so I, uh, I put it in a little pot on the stove and just didn't boil it, but brought it to like a low simmer. Did that on a night when my wife was gone because that took like eight hours. Did it smell? Yes. <laughs> it smelled mostly like Dawn dish soap because I put some, some soap in there to kind of degrease the skull. Yeah. Cause that's what like, that's what yellow skulls I learned is when you boil them in water that has no soap, it just kind of pushes the fat and the grease back into the skull. <laughs> so that part of the process. And then once uh, I got it all cleaned up, uh, I hit it with some peroxide and then, Drill the hole in the bottom of the skull where the spine meets up with it for a little nail to a little, like a finishing nail mm -hmm. to go in a little super glue and voila. Bada bing, bada boom. There he is. It looks good. I'm just giving you hell. No, yeah, good enough. Not bad for a first time out. No, but You're a real DIYer. Tim. That's right. That's what they call do it yourself. It, it, thank you <laughs> for explaining that. And it took it took way more time than I care to mention. I like like all that was into it. Like the fan's not a problem. I've done fans before. The beard's not a big deal. It's just some borax and you know, a good trimming job right up front. But the skull was definitely. And then that jawbone comes off. Like that detaches. I had to super glue that back in place. Uh, it just seems like a lot of work. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. So next year, I don't know if I'll do it again, but it, it, it it's kind of a neat. It looks cool. A neat thing, you know, yeah. something different than what you normally do. Oh, there you have it. So that's why I only kill one turkey a year. That and our Just inability to well, call, the inability kill, yeah. set up, Just shoot well, not be good. <laughs> Those things all combined. Yeah. Make it tough. But I'm totally in deer mode now. Uh, yeah. I am so excited about deer season start. And it's so far away. Man, today. So we've been having trouble. I have a pallet of analogics sitting at the lease. And you did. Yeah. And so we had it in a, you know, it's it's palletized and it's bagged in individual bags. And I have not ever had an issue with it before. Well, we had it up in the big barn. Something got into it. I assumed raccoons so we moved it down to the smaller shed something got into it down there we were thinking maybe mice i don't know so then we moved it back up to the big shed and uh i got a text this morning from the farmer who got a text from the person that rents the house next to it there was all kinds of sound like a real party there in the barn <laughs> and the dogs are barking and the, the barn cats are going nuts. Well, apparently there were five gigantic raccoons that were getting fat on <laughs> analogics. There's a reason they're gigantic. So I got a text from them, from the farmer. Then I got a text from the farmer who leases the, the barn because it's two different farmers. Sure. 
So everybody's <laughs> letting you know what's up. Upset with me. <laughs> There's apparently a pretty big mess. <laughs> so yeah, I'm in deer mode too, but I told Scott, I was like, we got to figure out a new way to handle this, to keep it wrapped up. Or I honestly, I told him, I was like, maybe we just put it inside my muddy bull. Cause mm-hmm. that's pretty tight. I mean, I, don't, yeah. I, I haven't had knock on wood any mice issues or anything. And so I'm like, maybe we just set it inside there. It's going to be a real pain in the butt because we have to haul all the bags up the, <laughs> up the ladder and yeah, it's blind elevated. and, you know, but I'm like, I don't know where else to put, put it. So they don't keep getting into it. We've never had this in years of, of doing this. We've mm-hmm. never had this problem at the least. And, but I've never also kept like, <clears throat> this is the first year we're feeding pretty consistently. Once the the season ended mm-hmm. like through the winter minus some really tough times when probably should have been out, but we couldn't get there with snow or ice or yeah. whatever. Like minus that we've had it out pretty consistently. So I've, I went through a pallet already in the early, you know, late winter, early spring. And now we're on our second pallet and <clears throat> you know, that'll get us through the summer. If the sure. coons don't eat it. All. If it's still there for you. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking I'm going to have some pretty record breaking coons though. <laughs> if anyone wants a good hat or a stole or a yeah. coat. Yeah. Too bad fur Dang. prices aren't very good. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. We'd have us a real record on the farm. So booner. Are, are you going to go up there and manually clean it up? We or? have to. Yeah. 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 If you give it another couple of days, the raccoons just come through and eat up the rest of it. I mean, it's too expensive for the me to allow that. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm you no. love wildlife, but not that much. No, I don't. <laughs> so, dang. Yeah. So I'm in deer mode too, but uh, we got some, we got some work ahead of us on that. And then, you know, it's like food plot, you know, spraying food plots, the clover and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And we've been real slow firing because we've had just little issues here and there with our, our pump you know, burnt out on the, on the, yeah, the sprayer. And then we got a new pump and then we blew a fuse and it's dude, <laughs> Scott and I were talking about how, how any kind of work on the farm is like the rodeo or like gambling. Like everything is always waste of money. Oh, just it's a waste <laughs> of money, but you always feel like you're so close. If the fuse hadn't blown, I would have been able to spray, you know, get yeah. it all done and knocked out and would have been ahead of schedule. There's always something that goes wrong. Yeah, there is. So, and Mark and Terry have told me that forever, like every day on the farm, something's breaking, something's busting something. And I'm sure, you know, real farmers that do it for a living can give you a whole book on what can go yeah. wrong in a day. And, and how their job never ends, basically, from sunup to sundown and past. So I got into those gold rush shows probably four or five years ago and very quickly learned the formula for the show was they have this goal, mm. but everything breaks. Daily, there's something breaking. And <laughs> At they, the end, they to, make it. Yeah. And it's always a celebration, yeah. but everything breaks. Yeah. So I, I've got some stand locations to figure out for the like for the year i'm I'm, the the one kind of large chunk of land that i have that i killed two bucks off of this past year killed that turkey at um i essentially have half of that to hunt now because the other half was sold off uh which is kind of interesting because it forces me to hunt places that i just kind of overlooked i think there's some real good possibilities i think the saddle is going to be a key Mm, to scouting back in there and getting into (laughs) some of those like the thick cedars and stuff uh so i just need to get the the helium the four pack of helium sticks so i can kind of have my complete saddle mobile kit ready to go and i can go do some prospecting with that sweet dog 
Thanks, homie. <laughs> looking forward to that. Yeah. I'm sure Mark and Terry are looking forward to seeing more saddle hunts. I'm sure. Also, <laughs> Hey, it adds an extra element to Drury Outdoors uh, that none of the yeah. rest of us are, are doing because we all got camera guys with us. So, mm-hmm. hey, yep. I'm all for it. Yep. Doing my own stunts. <laughs> so, today, we don't have a guest. No. Nor do we have an agenda. No. But we... Needed to do a podcast. So yep. here we are. It's good to check in. Like I, I legit miss, like we haven't missed a week in mm-hmm. over, over a year. Years, I mean, at least. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of just a, 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 a pace that we fall into and it's fun. Like I, I, like I really enjoy doing these. So yes, we need to get content out and it's kind of cathartic to be able to visit with the audience. Yeah. I, uh, I like to go back to the, like previous podcasts every couple months, I'll go back and like read the comments, see what people are saying about it. Not just, you know, what you pick for the shout outs, but in general, what the, if there's anything they want to hear or, or guests they want to have on or what feedback of the shows were. And that, uh, feedback from the Dale Beatty podcast, the one where you kind of, it said something about does race matter and hunting question yeah. mark. And boy, I was surprised how, pissy people got when the comment section, I don't think they listened to the podcast because we basically said it doesn't matter. He said, Dale said it doesn't matter. He's had great experiences and no closed doors. And you know what I mean? And we were talking about how we need more hunters, you know, like him, women, children, all ethnicities. And Mm -hmm. it was a pretty positive podcast in general, but boy, did we hear it in the comment section. Yeah. And 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 it's so unfortunate because there are so many people that want to simply identify people by their demographics like they want us divided by our demographics well i think the issue is that people are just like hit over the head with it in media in the last you know by couple the years. people who want to divide us by our demographics so yeah. i think i think they saw the you know the catchy title and they're like dang it here we go with more hunting so- yeah yeah here we go with more social justice warrior so i just want to point out that tim picked the title <laughs> I'll just set the next show out. And, that's fine. Or I could sit here I can, quietly. That's fine too. I could just stare at you awkwardly <laughs> yes. and talk to you. Make fart noises and stare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you were going to do that, I'd rather you just sit behind me and breathe down my neck. Okay. That I'm just accustomed like, to. Just like, yeah, here. when you were editing, <laughs> yeah. Terry was watching over you, making yeah. sure you weren't screwing up. That's right. At least that I can <laughs> relate to. <laughs> have private guy PTSD previous experience. Yeah. I saw the old man today. How is Terry doing? Getting grayer. (laughs) Is it possible? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's still got a little pepper in there. Mm -hmm. He's getting, trying to get rid of, (laughs) he's got the hair that I think most guys that are aging would like to have. It's thick. (laughs) I mean, you still got it for one. So that's a bonus, but it's pretty uniform also. Oh yeah. He's got the, he's got the look. I hadn't changed much really. I mean, if you go back to the early videos, it looks basically like that. Maybe a little wetter looking now. <laughs> Definitely grayer. <laughs> Going with the wet look. He used to have a feathered look. <laughs> I think that was, he had flow before flow was cool. That's wow. the thing now. Yeah. These kids, they got flow. Ah. Terry had flow. I just went and got my haircut fixed. So I got a little cocky. I've been cutting my own hair for months now and doing it again a few nights ago. And the guard fell off on my trimmer as I was going to do the backside of my head. And I just heard, (laughs) (laughs) and I felt it on my scalp. So I put a divot in. 
So I went in. Got and, it fixed. Uh, Beth couldn't fix that. Yeah, uh, she probably could, but there were other like some other structural issues that have been <laughs> ongoing. Mostly for a your while. head. So I, <laughs> they couldn't do anything for me for that. So I walked in. I was like, "Give me the sexiest haircut you guys have." So three hundred dollars later. I mean, wow, this is worth it, huh? Two hundred dollars is two hundred dollars. <laughs> you picked the wrong number. I could have seem seamlessly oh, went crap. into that. We'll just edit it. Yeah. Two hundred dollars later. Two hundred dollars is two hundred dollars. Seamless. <laughs> <laughs> but the lady was like, "I can't tell you how many haircuts I've fixed for people over the past year. Year. Yeah. yeah. All the tight asses. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm saving twenty bucks a month here. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, is it really worth it? No. <laughs> Not so much. I need to stimulate the economy. Unless you're shaving your head like like with a one all the way around or a two. Like, you ever thought about doing that? I did when I was a kid, Jared and Justin. So the lurk boys were all cousins. We mm-hmm. all lived by each other. And those kids, they shaved each other's heads every, you know, couple of weeks. They were giving each other haircuts. Uh, how old are they, were they? When- oh, we were, I bet they were doing it since they were in second, third grade. Holy cow. I mean, you know, and I mean, then, look, <laughs> free range kids. It's easy when you're just using one guard and going all yeah, the way around. The just, contour. Yeah, you just keep going. Well, they convinced me one summer to shave. They were going to shave my head and I've never looked stupider in my life. <laughs> felt even more stupid because, because your scalp is. Eh, yeah. I got a huge head. Okay. You got, got a five head, gigantic forehead. So it's very receding. I don't have a receding hairline. It just starts that way. It always has. Okay. It's got a big giant five head noggin. And so just looked even yeah. dumber <laughs> <laughs> when you shave it. Like, like a- I wore at that time I was wearing an Oakland athletics hat. Because the Bash Brothers, man, Conseco mm-hmm. yep. and McGuire, like that's that would have been the time sure. frame, right in the eighties there, and uh, that was the hat I wore all summer. Never took it off. It's <laughs> covering up your secret shame. Yes. So to answer your question, no, I would not shave my head again. I, I don't think I would either. I've had friends that have done it as adults, and it didn't come back at the same kind of fullness as it did when it was growing. See, I pride myself in flow as well. Well, Tim, can't do that. Yeah, you don't attempt fade. No. Plus, you know, you could end up with a lumpy scalp and you don't know it until you shave it. This has been Hair Care Talk. Yeah, I'm Your sure people Tim are thrilled. We're gonna, these, the views on this one's going to really be <laughs> low. I don't know. New haircut. So What I really wanted to us. talk about are some of the interesting articles that I'm seeing in DeerCast lately. So we started moving towards some news articles, right? Like, hey, what's very topical? What's something that people like what's really could dive on into? on the street, I think is the lingo. Sure. So you've done some DNA, like uh, test tube uh, cloning ones. Whitetail cloning. Did, I mean, had you known that that was, cause I, I actually have, I did know, I, I read about that a long time ago and kind of forgot about it uh-huh. until you brought it back up. And, uh, it's, it's interesting. The guy in the article, he cloned, he's been cloning for 12 years or something. It's like, like you find out like Jed's been cloning in his garage and he's got 13 of the same buck. And yeah. Well, it sounds like the first, the first like successful cloned buck happened back in 2003 down in Texas. Yeah. And they kind of use that as the archetype to, and it's, it's typically deer breeders who are doing this. They find a good buck and those genes are worth a lot of money for people who are doing high fence hunts. And this when, is like $50,000 a deer, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And so there's a lot of money behind 
behind it. When there's money behind something, you can pour on the research and development and uh, $1.6 billion industry, the breeding industry. Billions and billions right? and billions. I, I think I was right. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's so much money there yeah. and, uh, and, you know, you can get into the whole ethics of that in and of itself. Yeah. Uh, but it just, you know, it brings up a lot of ethical questions. Like, do we want that? Do we want, because captive deer get loose. The, you know, then what happens? Then you've got kind of cloned deer out there in the wild. It's walking in circles, eyes glowing at night. <laughs> looking at you. <laughs> yeah. Telepathically talking to you. It, it is creepy. I mean, it's a creepy thing to think about. Like, I, I, I think I read something not long ago about people doing it for their dogs and pets. Like, yeah. you know, it's like, hey, this is... Snowball one, snowball yeah, two. Exactly. And it's like, man, that's a really weird precedent to set i don't know i i would not want that and i certainly wouldn't want to you would just i'd be worried that something's genetically wrong with the meat or you know what i mean like what diseases come out of it in someone, the long run someone said in the comments have we learned nothing from jurassic park yeah there you go <laughs> i mean I just because you wise. can do something doesn't mean you should yeah. do something well even in the article they talked about the guys wanting to do a woolly mammoth which i've read about that before how they you know yeah. they got you know, whatever the DNA and they want to go back and try to clone from the DNA. Well, it seems a little nuts to me. The, the, the really crazy thing about like woolly mammoths is that for a long time, and I don't know what the most recent case is, but like natives that live up in the Arctic circle and the tundra and stuff, it was part of their tradition when they found a carcass to sometimes eat it because the meat was deep frozen for years like and they were talking like tens of thousands of yeah years, however right? long it was from us to <laughs> woolly mammoths like we're not talking about 10 or 5 we're no no it about- wasn't like last decade it was thousands of yeah. years but it was deep frozen and they it, it was just no big deal for them to eat it <laughs> it would be like someone kind of finding a t-rex and be like you know it's still preserved enough and but it's crazy that they were still consuming Woolly mammoth. Like how long ago did this happen? Like when's the last I, time I, someone ate a wool, woolly mammoth? That, that I don't know, but like- I in, demand answers in, 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 in modern history, like in modern times, like I would say within the past 50 to 100 years. Alan, can you fact check this? Hey, can you fact check this? I need to know when's the last time, when, what was it? Native Americans found a woolly mammoth? Probably Inuit people. Inuit. And ate it. Eating woolly mammoth meat. I would Google search that <laughs> and then clear your search history. <laughs> this seems weird. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on. Tell, tell Alan, shouts out the answer. Our our boys uh, from over at Blood Origins have been posting a little bit in DeerCast. I saw that, yeah. And Robbie had uh, a post here recently about New York and Connecticut banning the import of, they labeled it iconic African yeah. species. You know, kind of uh, off that topic, on that topic, I should say, I just saw where, I forget which country, if it was Japan or Taiwan or what, which country in Asia, but one of them, they're going to start flooding the market with 3D, like printer 3D printers, uh, replicas of tusks and horns oh. and and they're going to flood the market. Yeah, the, the price for yeah. it. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I just read that today. I, I mean, it's still not authentic, so I, I don't know that. But like, if you can't tell. Yeah, if they're good enough. That, the like, ones they showed look pretty good. It's like, what'd you get, Miranda? A cubic zirconia? Mm-hmm. She still doesn't know. No. So. 
Um, it key, works. Case in point. I wish I could come up with a way to, we're redoing our kitchen. I wish I could come up with a 3D printed <laughs> version of that damn kitchen. Cause <laughs> let me tell you, there's a little boy in our neighborhood that has a 3D printer and he has, uh, he has a crush on my daughter Can and he st- has been 3D printing toys for her nonstop. You tell him to stay the whole way. Like, this is bizarre. <laughs> We don't need any more trinkets at the house. Yeah, I get this. My daughter, she's four, she's in preschool, and I keep these boys. One brought her home a necklace from his vacation in Florida last week. Shove him. Somebody else brought home flowers, and this one kid's always <laughs> eyeing me up when I drop her off. I got to give him the... Mm-hmm. Stink eye. The, the, the I know what you're doing. Circle of trust. <laughs> but the problem is this kid, he's doing it back to me. Oh, jeez. me the... <laughs> no, you don't want that. Yeah. That's a dominant kid. Yeah, he's... Dang. Living rent free in my head. <laughs> <laughs> so, get a three D printer. Yeah, I I work on the countertops because those are expensive and they're gonna be a while. <laughs> but uh, but but Robbie's whole thing is like we're importing our own ethics onto these people that live in Africa that depend on the tourism dollars that come from people that go over and they hunt maybe an aging male lion that doesn't fit the social structure or a problem elephant or, or whatever. And so, you know, instead of letting the African people that are in these countries decide how this happens, they're just going to tell their res and the way it works. It's kind of, it's an end run. Like it's not a direct attack, but if you live in New York or Connecticut, they're saying, well, if you live here, you can't bring something like that back. Yeah. You know, what's next? You can't hunt uh, grizzly. You can't hunt uh, elk. You can't hunt what mule deer and say Canada. You know what I mean? Can't import that in, can't bring that over the border. Like that's the type of thing that's, ultimately happens. And then people will say, well, now you're getting a slippery slope uh, territory, but just because something is a slippery slope argument doesn't mean that it's false. <laughs> well, seemingly more and more it's reality. Mm-hmm. I mean, like it's, they need a little inch you and know, then they'll take a mile. Yep. Yep. hundred percent. So, so we're excited about having Bob, uh, R- Robbie and crew in, uh, in Deercast. So you get to see more of the blood origins content in there. Yeah. Those guys are pretty fascinating mm-hmm. as we heard on the podcast a few weeks ago. They're almost as fascinating as this show. Mm. So one other Robbie. article, you just launched it in Deercast. We've, we've had a few. So, uh, in Minnesota, there's a case of a deer farmer who has dumped a CWD positive. In fact, it's been discovered that he's been dumping deer outside of his deer farm property onto like a County park or state forest ground. And one of those deer was CWD positive. Hmm. So now the DNR up there is trying to figure out, well, how many other deer were CWD positive? There's been over hundred cases in Minnesota of CWD positive deer. Do we have to worry about other deer in the area on these public lands? Cause it's also like uh, American Indian reservation ground up there. It's just this patchwork of different, of different governing agencies that oversee this, these properties. Yeah. And so it's kind of a mess. And again, points to like, you got to be responsible. If you're going to, if you're going to raise captive deer, you have to be responsible and you can't put wild native deer at risk because of your sloppy management practices. So that's going on in Minnesota. Um, What's the one that just went? Test tube trophies. uh, No, the one that went today. Our animals people too. Yeah, that's the one. 
Like, I read about that a couple weeks ago. It's this thing going around in Europe, right? Mm -hmm. Sentinel beings? Sentient. Sentient. Yep. Yeah, meaning thinking, self-aware beings. I mean, they are thinking. I don't know that they're self-aware because they're aware of their surroundings. Ultimately, it's it's an end run by uh, activists to put animals on the same standing as humans Mm -hmm. so that they can outlaw hunting. And, 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 you know, while it's happening in the UK, it's just a forerunner. I mean, these, these animal act, these animal rights extremist groups are all connected. They all talk. If it works in the UK, they're going to try to export that here to the U S. So it's just, again, a matter of time before we see that tactic played out here in our country. I thought it was important to publish it because it's like, we need to be aware of this stuff. Like we can't just say, ah, what you know? That's that's England. They're gonna do weird stuff, anyways. They're gonna boil every meal they eat, <laughs> but they're gonna export that tactic over here. They're pretty extreme. I mean, there's like little to no hunting in Europe, right? They don't unless have a context for it, yeah. Unless you're super wealthy or mm-hmm. yeah. So I, I think they're out of touch to begin with. Let's see. Alan's got some info. What is it? They said in 1951, some scientists ate some mammoth meat, but it turned out it was sea turtle. <laughs> and, uh, they died out 7,500 years ago. So they said even if you found any, it'd be inedible. Fake news. So, Tim, recap what Alan just told us for the audience here. Why do I have to do it? You're the one Feels- that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, Alan's saying that they died out 7,500 years ago and the, wool- woolly the woolly mammoth. And it's unlikely that anyone has eaten any of the meat. But in modern going, times, in 19. 19- 51. The scientists ate some mistakenly thinking it was woolly mammoth eat, but it, meat, but it was really sea turtle. Yeah, they charged people $450 a plate. They charged people 450 bucks a plate for it. Wonder if it tastes like chicken. <laughs> for 450 bucks, it ought to taste like lobster. Jeez. Well, people aren't going to come here for their woolly mammoth news. Oh, debunk that one, Tim. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I'll do some more digging. Okay. I'll spend the entire day tomorrow on this. How about today and tomorrow? Just waste <laughs> Let's your day. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's how committed I am to the truth. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so go read that article. Um, it's important that we understand the tactics. Like, who, who wrote that one? Aaron? Uh, Aaron Merrill. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we had an article go up about checking your deep freeze. How many of us have heard horror stories of guys that have smelled something in their garage or basement or wherever, wherever their deep freeze is, only to find that it ain't been running for three days yeah, yeah. and all their venison has gone bad? Uh, I, this like haunts me because uh, so in my garage, like and then my house is probably, I think it was built in 05 and we bought it used, uh, in 2012. Dude. One of the things, one of the things that I noticed right away is like there was one plug in in the garage for the whole garage and it's in a real stupid spot so i got a lot of stuff plugged into this thing i got a refrigerator like the dad on the christmas story deep freezer and if i'm you know any power tools tools need charging if i need to do anything if i'm charging this new tracker off road like all this stuff so as part of this kitchen remodel i'm like well i'm just well i got electricians here like hey run you know, some new circuits and <laughs> let's make sure I got enough. So mm-hmm. I got 
two circuits just for the fridge and go. the deep freezer because I'm scared to death yeah. that this is ultimately going to trip something and then I'm out of basically a season's worth of, <laughs> you know, deer meat. Overly dog, basically. <laughs> well, the cool thing is I didn't realize that they make deep freeze sensors that you can buy that will alert you when your deep freeze kicks the bucket. Oh, so, really? Yeah. So when the temperature starts dropping or you lose voltage to the the unit, it'll tell you and you can take action. Bada Instead bing. of finding out after you've got a pool of spoiled blood rolling down the floor. Sounds like a good book title. Yeah. Bobby Cole, get on it. <laughs> there you go. A pool of spoiled blood. Uh, um, we have a uh, an article about Brood X the cicada boom that's coming yeah, and, uh, and what that's going to do for turkeys. Biologists are thinking that it's such an influx of easy, easily obtained protein that it's going to be great for, for really poults, hens, and, 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 uh, but when do they, turkeys. when is it coming like June, July? I, I think it, I think it's starting now, Yeah, but it's all like this brood. So brood X is only hitting in like Pennsylvania and parts of Indiana. There's a, a distribution map in deer, in the article in deer. So it doesn't really help. Most states. <laughs> it doesn't. No, no. I mean, annually there, there's the annual cicadas. There's like a 13, a 17 year, a 21 yeah. year. Um, but this is going to be a massive explosion in these areas. I think Missouri. That's what she said. <laughs> Missouri <laughs> is due for their big boom in 2024. I see. So we got a few years. So looking forward to that. 25. Dude, it's I, I, last time it happened here in Missouri, it was so loud. Yeah. Like you, it didn't matter if they were outside. It just sounded like they were coming through the walls. It was so crazy. I remember the year that we had the uh, solar eclipse. So what, maybe three, four years ago, maybe longer. 17, I think. And when the eclipse actually happened, it was such a weird, eerie feeling because all the bugs and the things that you would hear at night started. Yeah. Yeah tree frogs and I swear it was like cicadas or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. like you would hear them all. It's like, this is really creepy, man. I took video of it, like, and just let the camera run while it was happening. And you could tell the shift yeah. in just ambient nature sounds. Yeah. Crazy. It was a creepy moment. We're really off topic. We've talked about hair this off man, topic episode. Solar eclipses. Let's get to this question of the day. Let's do it. All right. The question of the day is probably brought to you by Cold Steel Hunting Blades. By your side while you provide. Hi, my name is Cameron. I live in Rock Island County, Illinois, and I was wondering if I could get some information on establishing new food plots. I have several good spots, just don't have much food after the crops are out. I started this year with some food plots, and I was wondering what you guys did and establishing a new plot. I know clover is good to go to. You can't really fail there, but I was just wondering what you guys did on starting out new f food plots and how you planted them. If you started in in this early in the spring to get them established and then planted something in the fall, let me know. I would appreciate any advice. Thank you very much and enjoy the show. We're working on on a new piece that uh, we've talked about a little bit that Aaron Bennett and I picked up. We're working on some new food plots. And basically what we're doing is going in and killing the weeds, you know, with chemical. Spraying them. Spraying them. Cly. And uh, yeah. yeah. 
And then, uh, look, I'm not the chemical guy, all right? <laughs> I don't know. Some, they're spraying something on there. Way Could to call me out, Tim. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they're peeing all over the food plot. I have no idea. <laughs> so I know we're spraying it first. We're mowing it, brush hogging it, and keeping up with that through the summer. And then uh, the plan is, because we're planting some fall plots, is to then go in and, um, you know, we'll we'll – Make sure it's all burned off right before we disc everything up and plant it then. So, okay. I mean, that's, you know, I, the, the other thing, the farmer there that leases the property, he was planting beans. And so our theory was that he was kind of prepping because, of, you know, with whatever he put on for weeds and stuff like that before he planted his beans. Mm-hmm. So he kind of helped us. And then plus the fertilizer and all the stuff that he put sure. on. So we feel like as long as we keep up the weeds throughout the summer, brush hog it every couple, you know, weeks or so, yep. keep it down that it won't be so hard on us come August, mm, but we've yeah. done it before at the the other lease that man, where we had not kept, I just don't have any equipment. I don't have this equipment. So we're always renting somebody's time or mm-hmm. renting the equipment or whatever. And we've done it before. We're just, in the week or two weeks leading into us planting, we were trying to do all this stuff and that's a nightmare. So like, yeah, we're finally getting ahead of it a little bit earlier, but um, you can do it that way. Mm-hmm. It's just that what we've noticed is you got a lot of grasses and it takes a lot of like disking that up and continuing to turn, yeah, yeah, turn it over. But uh, I would suggest trying to kill the, kill the weeds, the grass throughout and make it a little easier on you. Yeah. And I mean, I, I have, I have very little experience with this last year was the first year I put in real big boy food plots and they weren't really big, but I had my buddy Tony come out and he, he had a sprayer and we brush hogged everything and turned it all over and, and then planted. And so, I mean, that's kind of the typical, the typical process this year. I don't think I'm going to have access to that type of ground to put in a, pl- a food plot. Light. So that's why we were talking with Bobby Cole last week about, uh, yeah, yeah. Putting in a hidey hole spot where I could just go in the woods. And the trick is going to, is, is having the conversation with the landowner because her whole thing with having me hunt out there was she wants a deer gone, <laughs> not provide a healthy dinner. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I'm thinking if I, if I commit to taking a good number of does off that also that she might be okay with having a yeah. little food plot out there. It's just so weird. It's part of the weirdness of hunting suburbia. Um, you know, the, the goals, like people have different objectives. Yeah, they're trying to grow a healthy herd. They want you to kill them because they're eating their mm-hmm. uh, flower garden. Well, you have that. And then next door you have the animal lover who yeah, yeah. hates the fact that you're out there bow hunting. Yeah. They love watching them. They're feeding them. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's such a weird dynamic. Uh, so it's just, there's some nuance there. Yep. Speaking of nuance, how about the wildlife word? Let's do it. Brought to you by the American Hunting Lease Association. Your hunting access resource. It's kind of a cool organization. I don't think we've talked much about about these guys and what they do yet. No, what the plan is to have uh, the guy I've been working with to come in and, and give us kind of the lowdown, but they do. They provide, not only do they have hunting lease, that, you know, that they provide, but that's not like their most important part of their business. The way I understand they also have like an insurance side and they can provide like landowners insurance. So it kind of protect you in case maybe you don't lease it now, but 
you, you never know. Maybe the week of the season, somebody comes to you and knocks on your door yeah. and says, Hey, you know, can I lease this property for the next week? And you don't have insurance and you're a little worried. Well, this gives you the protection basically all year to just have that in place and ready in case somebody uh, comes and, and decides to hunt on the property. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice and nice to be prepared. I hope I explained so. that properly. I think I did, but that's part of why we want them to come on and share their story with us. Yeah. So, uh, so we'll have, well, I think Sean will have him on some point later on. Though. Yeah. I felt like so, that was maybe July or August, if I remember right. Yeah. So, so stay tuned. Yep. Okay. The wildlife word is brought to you by the American Hunting Lease Association, your hunting access resource. At what age can a fawn survive exclusively on vegetation without its mother's milk? Is it A, one year, B, one week, C, one day, or D, two months. At what age can a fawn survive exclusively on vegetation and without its mother's milk? Hmm. So, like, pretty much weaned. Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to go with D, two months. I have no idea. You're right. Ding, ding, son of a gun. That's, you know, you you always hear that deer seasons start at a time where a fawn will survive if you take, you know, if you happen to shoot a doe yeah. early season. I know people frown f- upon it. Yeah, they they, <laughs> they they feel bad about that, but biologically speaking, the deer can survive. It's not reliant on man, the mother's milk. You talked about old man winter, like he's looking for that doe that has those fawns. Yeah, <laughs> I something to do with dispersal rate. Like they'll the male, you know, say that I'm gonna screw this up. I'm sure, but there's twins. Mm-hmm. One of them's male. If the mother is around she's gonna kick the male out of her like home range okay so if you want him to stick around grow up become a big buck on your property you should take the mama mama that's i'm pretty sure i got that right so dad's plausible dad's a uh a baby killer (laughs) baby mama killer he's a monster that was in the article actually wasn't it about bambi that was in that uh yeah, see, I read. Hey, see, I, I can read. All right, well, uh, yeah, thanks, Cameron. For Cameron actually made two appearances on the show, once in the shout-outs and one in the question of the day. So thanks for doing that, Cameron. Uh, I think that's about it. I think we've covered everything we need to cover. Lots of topics, Tim. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of, yeah, I kind of actually enjoy going through just like, uh, you know, like, hey, here's a bunch of stuff. Let's throw it at the wall. Let's talk a little bit about each topic and go from there. I hate it. <laughs> I'm over here dying. <laughs> well, no, I'm just kidding. Let's leave then. <laughs> let's stop doing it. Yeah. So, uh, really, if people have feedback for us. You're Matt Drury 81 on Instagram. That's right. I'm the thinking woodsman on Instagram. If you guys have ideas for topics and guests or whatever, feel free to shoot us a message. And that's actually my handle on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, but I'm definitely the most active on Instagram. Sure. So don't at me on Twitter coming at me with some complaints because I probably won't see it. My Twitter has been inactive for like two years now. Mine's active, but it's sad. It's a sad state of affair over there. Okay. Well, we appreciate everyone that watches and listens. Tell your friends. Tell your mom. I don't know what you'll tell her, but do tell her. Tell your dad. What the hell? All right. Actually, scratch all that. Just tell people who also listen to podcasts. Yeah. Do that. Do that. And next week, we promise it'll be episode number 213. Maybe. If we're here. All All right. Till next time. See you. Peace out.
DeerCast is giving you the chance to hunt with Mark and Terry Drury. Head over to DeerCast.com to enter.